Okay, we are in the, uh, in the second part of our, our uh, study of the book of Galatians. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do recaps like this every time, but I want to recap this morning because I did a decent, uh, a decent sense of introduction last time. Uh, I'm going to go back to one slide that I had uh, last time. Uh, I've got a mic. Uh, there's a mic in the back. If you've got a comment, please, uh, please speak up. Raise your hand nice and high so I can see you or somebody in the back can, can see you. Uh, Paul writes this letter soon uh, after his first journey, uh, around the time of the council that we find collected in Acts chapter 15. Uh, I made the case that it was before uh, Paul's third visit to Jerusalem, which is the the occurrence of Acts chapter 15. There is a a basic, let's go back to the basic summary of where Paul has been. So in Acts 13 and 14, Paul, excuse me, with Barnabas has visited four towns in Galatia, you know, Antioch of Pisidia, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, uh, or if you will, you know, Fort Campbell, Murfreesboro, Woodbury, and Crossville, right? That's about the region uh, that he went and then went in, then went in reverse. Um, as a traveling teacher, Paul goes to the synagogue. He's recognized as a Jew and a teacher, therefore, you have something to say to us. And his general message uh, in Acts uh, 13 and 14, Jesus is the Messiah that fulfills the Jewish history that all of you study uh, every Saturday. How do we know? Uh, there's a lots of reasons, but the primary reason is because of the resurrection of Jesus and the conclusion, forgiveness and access to God comes through Jesus and not through the law of Moses. This is, this is uh, Paul's basic summary. And someone uh, with a big, loud, and quick voice tell me what was the general reaction uh, of what would happen after Paul would get done speaking. Basically, two things would happen. What's that? Okay, there would be a, a, a tell us more. We are interested in this. There would be believers that associated with it, and then there would be what else that would come with it. There would be conflict, there would be struggle, there would be problems. Where would the problems come from? Where would they originate? What kind of people? From the Jews, from the Jews who weren't necessarily believers. Why would the Jews be in conflict here? Uh, Two main reasons. Um, He's teaching against or, or something that they don't necessarily agree with when it comes to the Messiah and Paul's message is taking on both Jewish believers and Greek believers. That's our job as Jewish leaders, not Paul's. So Paul is being driven out of towns. He's, being, he's struggling, um, and then he goes to, the, to a different town and, and preaches the same message and, and rinse and repeat. He gets back to uh, Antioch, and he is describing what is going on. And while he's in Antioch, he hears of teachers who have gone back to these Galatian towns and told uh, the, the members of those churches something different. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse uh, uh, 7, Paul calls it a distorted gospel. There are some who want to distort uh, the gospel of Christ. And how, what is the basic way, someone summarized for me again, very loud and efficient voice. What is the nature of the way that they were distorting the message of God when they would go back 
to where Paul had come? Adding to it. Adding to it in what way? All right, so yes, faith and trust comes through access to Jesus Christ. Yes, and remember, you have to keep the old law, the way you wash your dishes, what day of the week that you celebrate um, and, and worship God, your circumcision if you're a man. There are multiple things you got to keep, remember, uh, as part of being a Christian. This was the main uh, struggle uh, that Paul is now recognizing, and he has to write a letter to the Galatians uh, to, to combat. And, he, and we, we ended the class last time with Paul's very strong claim that, um, oh, don't look at that, with their, that Paul's very strong claim that um, what, they were, what they were teaching was such a distortion of the gospel that he was teaching that those who taught it should be accursed. So as I concluded the class last time, basically set up a, a very distinct conflict. Paul is, is calling them out, and Paul better be right about what he's saying. We are at a moment, remember, class, ahead had us to try to suspend reality for a moment, put yourselves in the middle of a Galatian church. You're the first generation of your family that's become a Christian. You're now being taught and being led by people who have the Holy Spirit in, in your church. And um, there is messages about what I should do with my life and what I should do with my career and how I should treat my husband and how I should treat my daughter and where I should spend my money and who I should help with my money. And now there are some people coming in and teaching something that's different than what Paul taught me. Now I'm confused. And we get a letter from Paul and he comes right out of the gate, quite hot, and saying, I am amazed that y'all are distorted, or you're listening to this distorted message. Again, we have a, a, a picture that could go one way or the other very quickly uh, in Christian history. So what Paul is saying better be right. So this morning, uh, we're going to, to look at how Paul tries to defend himself. He tries to defend himself and his message uh, early on in this book. And, and then uh, from here, Paul takes a, a stance of, of not only defending his message, but defending the concepts and the logic that comes across in Christianity opposed to Jewish Christianity that they were trying to, to teach, okay? Paul has, is going to defend himself, and we're going to see a couple of things in, in this section that... Um, that Paul is, is trying to defend himself against. Um, the challenge is he's trying to defend himself in letter form. Uh, he's trying to defend himself with one-way communication, or the way that we see it anyway. We see one side of the communication. Um, we're going to see in the next little bit a recounting of some of the things that happened in the book of Acts, but instead of from Luke's point of view, we're going to see it from how Paul saw it. Um, in, in Galatians chapter 1 and, and in Galatians chapter 2. This narrative, uh, I want you to watch for a couple of things as we read through these stories as Paul remembers them. Paul makes dramatic shifts in the story, very quick turns. Um, these turns can be, can be identified with the phrase, but when or but then. And when Paul gets to that section or as we read a section that says, 
but when or but then, uh, our eyes should, should pick up, our ears should pick up, because Paul is trying to emphasize something that happened already, that we learned already in the book of Acts, but it's a very unique part, uh, part that Paul wants us to, to remember. Paul is, is defending himself against a lot of claims, some of them direct and some of them indirect. So what's the first claim, if you were able to catch it on the, uh, my mistake a second ago, feel free to shout it out. But if you don't, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, what is the claim being made by Paul, excuse me, being made about Paul that we have to, that, that Paul's going to try to defend against? Okay, the validity of his apostleship, and, and what else? He's pleasing men. How can Paul claim to be an apostle? He's a man pleaser. He's not an apostle. This guy came in and taught, yeah, he's got a lot of good things to say, and he, and he gained followers. He can't be an apostle. Remember, this is the same guy you read about in the newspaper the other day about uh, persecuting people just like you. Um, so... It sounds like he's trying to gain people after his message. Okay, uh, so is every other speaker. That doesn't make him an apostle, okay? That's the claim that's being made in Paul's absence uh, that he has, now, has to now defend by letter, okay? Now, we will uh, split this section up into, into threes, into thirds. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through the end of the chapter. Galatians 1, starting in verse 11. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for neither I neither received it from men nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard from my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart from even my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I immediately, excuse me, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to be acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Sicily. And I, still unknown by the sight of the churches of Judea, which is in Christ, but only they kept hearing he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. All right, Paul is, is fighting against the idea that he cannot be an apostle. He has to be a man pleaser. So how does, how does Paul set out to, to do that? Right out of the gate, I'm, and what I'm going to try to do is, is go through a couple of sections here and then take some, some purposeful pauses and deep breaths. So if you see that coming, that's the time to raise your hand. And I'm also going to make some, some, uh, some room towards the end of this section if you've got anything to say as well. All right? So I please, please, encourage, you, uh, please encourage you to do so. 
one of the things that Paul emphasizes is that man, men, humans, had very little, if nothing, to do with him being an apostle. Um, as encounter to things like, 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 like Matthias in Acts chapter 1, where, where humans and man helped basically choose Matthias by, by drawing lots. You know, Andrew brings Peter to Jesus. You know, P Andrew has a part in bringing Peter to his, his apostleship. Paul's claim right out of the gate, he's not claiming that the others weren't apostles. He's claiming, I am. I just came to Jesus, came to being an apostle in a different way. Um, it doesn't make it illegitimate. It just makes it uh, different. Before he becomes a Christian, he doesn't deny the things that he used to do. You know, I used to persecute the church. I fully admit that. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 13. Uh, that also shows that Paul even saw a distinction between Judaism and Christianity, didn't he? Look, I freely admit uh, that I saw a distinction here. Uh, so much so that I took that distinction and used it to persecute uh, people. Now, this, this claim that Paul makes about being a unique apostle, it, it's not good enough to, to close the case, right? You can't just say, well, I became an apostle different than others, and we, okay, we, we believe you. There's other things that are going to happen here in Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2, but I do think it, it is important for Paul to make that claim. Um, it, it, it's important for him to tell us about his conversion and his, test, his testimony as to his explanation for why he is an apostle and not just the head disciple of apostles. There's a difference there. Um, and Paul is making a, a claim to that. I'm going to ask a question here. When, when Paul talks about his Jewish life, um, he talks about advancing in Judaism. Take out uh, Judaism and religion for a second. How do we advance uh, in, in life today? How do we advance in school? How do we advance in, at work? Uh, things like that. It's by advancing in our performance and pleasing other people, isn't it? It's the basic summary. We perform at our jobs. We perform at school. We perform in the, in the circles in which we are in, and that is how we, that's how we advance. Um, and Paul did the same. Uh, yeah, I know how to advance in life, and I did that for a long time. Um, he advanced in the Jewish ranks, won their favor, won, his, won their approval, and then the first but when happens in Acts, excuse me, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. Paul is riding along on the wave and the ladder of Judaism and then makes a hard shift uh, in, Acts, excuse me, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse uh, 15. That shift, Paul claims, comes from God and not from, not from men. And we see his claim kind of play out. The people on the road to Damascus had very little to no idea what was going on in in the life of Paul at that time. They just knew something odd was happening. Um, Ananias was there, sure. Ananias' involvement was basically do just as I say uh, from God. God says, go to this man, tell him these things, he will be converted. So that's the, the, the involvement of Ananias, which what I would say would, could argue could be, be minimal. 
And then Paul, which I'm always fascinated by this, and and at some point in uh, when we get to heaven and for the 10,000 years that I get to talk to Paul, I'm going to talk to him about this scenario because he's converted and um, he spends his time being instructed by God, by Jesus. Um, He doesn't go straightway to Peter or to the apostles. He spends 15 days with them, he claims in chapter 1 and verse 18. 15 days, hardly enough time to get trained. Paul receives his apostleship and receives his training from Jesus himself. What are they talking about for this period of time? Um, Jesus seeing in a visionary way with with Peter, uh, excuse me, with with Jesus. Um, I like to think that what... Paul saw, and what Peter, I did it again, what Jesus studied with him uh, was what we see in the book of Romans. Um, the book of Romans, I, I contend, is, is kind of the, the overarching message, kind of the expanded sermon of what Paul would have taught when he went to the synagogues, when he went to a, when he went to a, a, a church and stayed there for a year, or stayed there for 18 months, or stayed in Ephesus for a couple of years, what was he teaching? He was teaching what was written in the book of Romans. Um, because it is an elaborated sermon to a church that he never, he never, he never uh, visited. I mean, you're also going to see some things that uh, maybe Jesus taught him that we see play out in the book of Hebrews, you know, taking him section by section through the old law. This is the fulfillment. And Paul could have been receptive of that because he's very knowledgeable of the old law. So he has to be able to receive it. All the things that would have taken a couple of years for the apostles to hear in physical form, and see in physical form through miracles and parables, etc. Paul gets in a very condensed version in, from, from the mind of Jesus. Um, so, what is, the, what is the, main, the main driver here? The main driver to me is, is, is a couple of things. Paul became an apostle in a, <coughs> excuse me, in a different way than the others. Paul also is is making the claim that Judaism is more of a man-pleasing religion than the gospel that he's preaching. Judaism became, it is a tradition-bound religion. uh, And he is wrapped up in the, he was wrapped up in the ancestral traditions in chapter 1 and verse 14. Paul's success was based on his commitment to these traditions. So Judaism focuses on man's attention and and judgment from others. The gospel focuses on God's righteousness given to man apart from their works, uh, which is something he's going to talk about in chapter 2 and into chapter 3. So you're saying, hey, if I'm a man pleaser, let me tell you about what I used to do to please men. I used to do that all the time because that's what Judaism has basically been made into. Um, But when God came to me or Jesus came to me on the road to Damascus, a shift happened Uh, in my mind. That shift showed me how righteousness was truly going to be produced in me. It wasn't going to be produced in the law. It was going to be produced um, in faith and recognition of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm almost to the point where I'm ready to take uh, comments and questions. There was was one thing, if we read over it and, and you missed it, um, it was a struggle of, of mine to try and think through, but it's in chapter 1 and verse 
verse 19. So when he goes to Jerusalem and he's, he's acquainted with people, he stays with Cephas for 15 days. There's a recognition of, of who he is, and, and then he's off to preaching again. He does say in chapter 1 and verse 19, I did not see any others of the apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. Um, was, was James, the Lord's brother, an apostle of Jesus? No, he wasn't. So um, it, there's two ways that I kind of see this, this verse here, chapter 1 and verse, verse 19. Um, one, it could be at the word apostle perhaps being used in a more broader sense, like an ambassador or, or a messenger, uh, something like that, which James certainly would have been. Or I could see it as a situation where he's saying, I met with a lot of important people that you would recognize. You'd recognize their names. Um, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 18, like I, I met with Cephas. Uh, I didn't see any of the other apostles, but I did see James, the Lord's brother, you know, also a kind of a name drop uh, scenario here. I met with some, some very important people, and we discussed uh, my uh, conversion, um, and, and it, may, I was, it was made known to them what happened, and the result is they were glorifying God, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1 and, and verse 24. Um, the last thing that he says in verse 20, he made sort of a, in our English Bibles, it's a parenthetical statement. I don't know how he would have written or his scribe who was writing this for him would have written uh, what's in chapter 1 and verse 20. But Paul, it, it, it's almost like he's just like writing angry or he's typing like really, really mad. And he's like, look, I'm going to say, I've already said some things and I'm about to say some things. And the vernacular that we would use would be, I swear to God, this is truth. Okay? That's basically what he's saying. Um, my conversion is true. Uh, how I was received early on is true, and how I'm going to talk about my reception in chapter 2 uh, is right. Okay, here comes my deep breaths. Any, uh, any comments? Uh, Mr. John, to start. Well, I guess I'm going to digress just a little bit. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> uh, Paul, what do you say? I'm amazed that you're so soon removed. Yes, sir. And it's no wonder that he was amazed because... The events of Acts chapter 15 was after his first trip to Lystra and Iconium and Derby and all these things. And the reason he went to Jerusalem then, he and Barnabas and Titus, was to settle this very question about mm -hmm. can you bind circumcision and the old law as a condition of salvation and adding it to the gospel. And they settled it by Peter describing how he had preached to Cornelius and Cornelius received the Holy Spirit, hadn't said a word about the law of Moses. So the Holy Spirit endorsed him preaching the gospel without the old law. And then Paul and Barnabas just stood up and they were listening. And they said, Paul and Barnabas, as they were relating that what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles, that would have been the Galatians. Mm -hmm. And so you would think it wouldn't have been necessary for Paul to have to defend himself they had already seen him perform signs and right. wonders right knowing that the holy spirit had endorsed what they were doing right so you see why he says i'm amazed right that you're so why am i having to defend myself here right it's a it's a great it's a great point y'all hold on to, despite whatever alan's about to say y'all hold on to what john's what john just said because we're going to basically reiterate some of it in in uh, galatians chapter two excellent point go alan yep paul seems he 
he's kind of walking a real fine line here with what he's talking about because while the Galatians seem to be waffling, like maybe Paul's not that important, you know, there's other times where some churches are like, I follow Paul, and if you weren't, if you didn't hear it from Paul, yeah. you're nobody because Paul's the best. Yeah. So when he, you know, there's times where he talks about some of these unbelievable situations he was in mm-hmm. with the Lord. He he minimizes it. He doesn't want to put the spotlight on himself. You mm-hmm. see that in other letters. And here he's, you know, while he has become an apostle in a different way than the others, it's also been in the same way where he's saying, I spent time with the Lord. Right. We don't know how long that was, this kind of three-year period, Arabia yep. and Damascus, but it's like I was with him and he taught me a bunch of things. I'm not making it up. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving you Paul's version of kind of what I think the, the, the law should be that he heard it from him directly. And we still struggle with that. I say we, like people today, because sure. Paul's letters have a lot of the hard things of the gospel, the mm-hmm. practical, how do I be selfless with someone? How do I show love to someone? And it's unpopular at times. And people say, well, that's Paul. You know, like I, I follow Jesus, but Paul is yeah. just kind of this guy where, you know, Paul's saying, I'm not special. God was gracious to me to let me do this. But I spent time with Jesus, and he taught me a lot of things, and that's why this gospel is, is special. Yeah, no, well, well said. And if I could just add a, a footnote to Alan's great comment. Paul used to be in the spotlight. He used to be special, right? How? Judaism. He said, I, I knew how to be in the spotlight and be special, uh, but I've, I've forsaken that. Um, and I'm amazed that you're, you're trying to go back uh, that that direction. Who's got the? Oh, yes, ma'am. Um, it's certainly true that Paul that Paul was called to be an apostle much later. Well, some, somewhat later than the other apostles. But I think it's important to remember his complicated background was not the only apostle that had a complicated background. Sure. Matthew was a collaborator with the Romans. Sure. Simon the Zealot. That that was a murderous crew that wanted to kill all the Romans. Sure. So there were several of the apostles that had complicated backgrounds later, but it's complicated, but they also had complicated backgrounds. I mean, Peter denied the Lord, so. Yeah, well said. Well said. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go, Danny. I think Paul also makes a point here, and you may be going to bring this out, that he didn't ask for this. God chose him mm-hmm. from, uh, if I understand this correctly, from the time he was born. Yeah. He was a chosen vessel, just like Jeremiah and, and others were chosen when they were born. So all his life he lived, if I understand this correctly, he was going to be an apostle. Sure, God I, had chosen I, don't, him. I don't disagree. I feel like verse 15 was something that Jesus revealed to him uh, as part of, part of that vision when he's studying together. He said, Let me walk you through your past life and how this is being led to, to this situation, certainly. Okay, first 10 verses of chapter 2, please. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. And it was because of a revelation that I went up and submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. For we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of gospel would remain with you. 
But from those who are of high reputation, what they were make no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Well, those who are of reputation contributed nothing to me, but on the contrary, seeing that I have been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he had effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles, and recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, so that we might go to the Gentiles and, and they to the circumcised. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. Okay, same flow of thought. I'm going to go for four or five minutes here. We'll take a breath, and you guys, uh, you guys speak freely. So there, there's an event uh, that happens uh, in chapters chapter 1 and chapter 2. I've said this last week and this week, and that I think that this is before uh, Acts 15, um, this is Paul's second journey, and he goes by revelation. Uh, the revelation uh, that Paul is, 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 uh, is uh, appealing to is in Acts chapter 27. Or in Acts chapter 27, excuse me, Acts chapter 11 and verse 27, um, the prophet Agabus uh, reveals that there's a famine in the land, and Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem at that time to bring some relief. And... Um, and he mentions 14 years. Uh, I, when you read the book of Acts, sometimes it feels like there's like a chapter, then a commercial break, and then the next thing goes on. But there's, there's a long stint between uh, certain, certain things that happen. Now, is this 14 years after Paul's conversion that he talked about in chapter 1? Or is this 14 years after um, his first visit to Jerusalem? Not exactly sure. The idea is it's been a long time. Again, Paul didn't immediately go and round up the apostles to get approval. He's out speaking, teaching as one of them for, for a long time. When he goes uh, to, to, uh, to, the, to Jerusalem, uh, he takes the opportunity to have a private meeting with, with those of reputation to get a few things uh, straight, to make sure that there's consensus on some of these hard things uh, that are being taught. Some of the things that are going to get taught and spelled out more publicly uh, in Acts uh, chapter 15, uh, like, like John mentions. Um, Paul is, is there to, to seek uh, alignment with these, with these men. And he receives his message from the Lord. He gets alignment with James and Cephas and John, the men of reputation, even to the point of being handed the, the right hand of fellowship, you know, kind of the symbolic um, unifying measure, uh, public measure that, that we, are all, we are all unified here. He also has Titus with him. Titus, a full-blooded Greek, full-blooded Gentile. Uh, when they arrive as part of this alignment exercise, this private meeting, they know Titus is with them. Titus comes to the meeting uncircumcised, and he leaves uncircumcised. So as patient zero, he is test case to say, look, you do not have to be circumcised as a full-blooded Gentile to become a Christian or a Jewish Christian, uh, as they maybe were trying to say uh, in, in a distorted way. So in summary, I'm going a little quicker here. Paul was aligned with the apostles that he met in Jerusalem. He, his conversion is sound. He's not a man pleaser. He used to be. Now he's not. 
He is aligned with the apostles in Jerusalem. He and the apostles are both aligned in their opposition to the Judaizers. Take the right hand of fellowship. Take the lack of circumcision from Titus. And their unity is focused on the truth of Jesus and Jesus' message, not on the traditions. As Paul leaves and certain men go to uh, take, take testimony and take mission to the Jews, Paul leaves and is taking it to the Gentiles. The last message they could have talked about could have been, hey, before you go, one last thing. Remember about the law of Moses. They didn't talk about that, though. What did they talk about? Remember, as we go off, remember the poor. One of the ob obligations of us testifying about the message of Jesus Christ and bringing unity and collecting uh, unified believers together and forming churches and establishing deacons and establishing elders and all those things that we're about to do as we depart here, we don't necessarily need to remember the law of Moses. Remember the poor. Okay? So, Paul, not a man pleaser, rarely in Jerusalem, which would have been the place to go if you were trying to please men, because this is where the men of reputation uh, live. You know, the people who read this letter in the Galatians, they could have gone and validated everything that Paul is, is saying here. Paul's aligned with the, with the, the men of reputation or the apostles as, as, they, as they get there. There's no correction of Paul's practices. You know, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, the things that Paul said he did, including not circumcising Timothy or Titus, there's no correction of that, and there's no correction of Paul's message, uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. So the things that Paul is doing, the message that Paul is saying, he's saying, look, the people that I've met with in Jerusalem, we are aligned. Okay? I've got a couple of applications, but first, any comments or, or questions on this uh, somewhat, uh, somewhat quick uh, summary here. Oh, that clock. Um, when he said, remember the poor, we were to remember the poor as well. Mm -hmm. um, because um, lots of times you see people that are asking for food or something on a sign, and you say, well, I don't want to give them money. But you can give them, you can give them a coke, or you can give them your lunch, or something like that, and you can t tell them um, uh, about the gospel while you're giving it to them. That I've, I've found circumstances where people have had been in circumstances where they needed food, and I just give them a hamburger, and that means the world to them. So yeah, yeah, and I think Paul's point here is what, or, and one of the things that he writes is collectively as they went out, one of the root foundational things about being a messenger of Christ is to remember the poor. A couple of quick applications. Full acceptance in Christ despite background and baggage. Um, it, it can be difficult sometimes um, for Christians to fully accept other people have, who, have, who are Christians who have come out of a different tradition or a different upbringing or a different background. It can be a challenge sometimes. I was not part of that person's conversion, therefore I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm not saying this is the mindset of all Christians. I'm saying this is something we need to be, to be careful of. You could see it being a, a particularly tr uh, slippery spot for some of the people here. Um, 
they didn't grow up and see, Paul didn't grow up and see Christ like they did, but they immediately extended the right hand of fellowship. Um, we can, if we're not careful, have the tendency to accept those who've come from the same tradition as ourselves. They look like Americans. They talk like Americans. So they're probably like us and Christian Americans. Uh, let us be always mindful and content to accept men and women on the basis of the gospel which they profess and which they teach and what they, in which they live rather than on the basis of where they came from, okay? And then secondly, my second point up there is a, is a reference to something that's going to happen in the future. Um, in Acts 16, verses 1 through 3, good Bible students, does anybody remember what happens? What's that? Acts 16, someone is circumcised. Who was circumcised? After the book of Galatians is written, after the council of Jerusalem where it is taught that you don't have to have it to be saved, a half Jew, half Greek is circumcised, Timothy. Titus, not circumcised. And we go through all of this message about circumcision not being a part of salvation. And then Timothy is circumcised in the presence of Paul. How are we to treat that uh, with what Paul's describing here? Who's got a response for me? Why is Timothy circumcised and Titus not? Yes, Gerald. Hold on, Gerald. I got it, Michael. Uh, Timothy was circumcised because uh, Paul thought that it would be a help to be able to teach the Jews. He was part Jew. It may come in between uh, his being a help to teach those people. So it was, it was a help and not a hindrance. But with Titus, it was something that would be demanded. He has to be circumcised. And so that wouldn't be done at all. Right. Well said. Well said. You take, I've, I've summarized it up here, cultural accommodations versus doctrinal com, uh, accommodations. Uh, we, we're even told in Acts chapter 16 why Timothy is circumcised. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of evangelizing to the Jews. Um, if Titus was circumcised, just like Gerald said. It would have been as a, an idea to promote the connection between the Jewish law and being a Christian. It's one thing to be circumcised so that it doesn't create a problem. It's another thing to be circumcised to make it part of conversion. Um, and there, there lies the, the, the difference. Um, cultural accommodation, to be able to appeal to those who are culturally Jewish, uh, versus a, a doctor, doctrinal uh, uh, accommodation to try and show proof of, of salvation. These are the differences. And it can be tough to try to find that balance uh, between cultural accommodation and, and doctrinal com uh, accommodation. And, and the things that we do to distinguish and the things that we have as a gospel to, to stand on. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 20, Paul, well after this, well into his Christian life, said when he was amongst Jews, what did he do? He became a Jew. Um, 
Is Paul saying that he tried to gain justification in the law of Moses? No, he's saying he, he made it a point to try and bridge a gap to not alienate a group of people while standing firm on his, on his root message. Um, there's a couple of applications that we could make. I'm not going to for the sake of time. Um, there is a, um, a distinction that has to be drawn, even in our own lives, when we are appealing to the world, and we have to, in some cases, be a part of the culture that we're in, and even make accommodations for that, um, like, like Paul does with Timothy, and by becoming a Jew, as he describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But at the same time, holding fast to, to doctrine is, is a very uh, interesting and delicate balance, but Paul, but Paul does it. Okay, I go to like 11, right? Isn't that right? Okay. Um, very quickly, I'm not going to read this. I'm going to summarize uh, what happens in Galatians chapter 1, two, excuse me, Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. This is the, the case where Peter is confronted. Someone summarize for me quickly in a very loud voice. Why is Peter confronted by Paul? Being a hypocrite, exactly right, exactly right. Each with the Gentiles, he's fine with eating with the Gentiles until a Jew shows up. He is uh, confronted on four, or really like three, four, three or four reasons. Verse 12, he has the wrong motivation. He's fearing the party of the circumcision. Verse 13, the problem is that the rest of the Jews were joining him in hypocrisy, so he's causing other people to stumble even Barnabas. Verse 13, as Nate said, it is hypocritical. He's saying one thing and doing another thing, and he's denying the truth of the gospel with his actions and creating another side gospel, verse 14. And Paul goes on through verses 15 through the end of the chapter. I've always read verses 15 through the end of the chapter as, as Paul's kind of elaborated uh, rebuke of Peter. Um, this is not about uh, you, Peter. It is about the, uh, the message of Jesus Christ. So what's the important point here? He's corrected for the wrong motivation. And, and this also provides validity not only to Paul, but to Paul's message. Because he's able to take some of the things that happened in the past, in his own conversion, his unity with them in the beginning of chapter 2, and he's able to use it to confront Peter in chapter, uh, in the, in the, at the back end of chapter 2. Um, and then at the last part of the chapter, he starts into what we're going to continue to discuss a lot more in chapter 3 with how Jews are, are justified uh, now. Very quick, very quick application. Be aware of the inferred error of our actions, right? We can be doing something and holding others um, uh, in in, in trouble and, and, and influencing others in, in error by our actions. And the last, and I'll try to elaborate on this more uh, in two weeks when we get back together, the importance and the necessity of direct confrontation uh, at the most private possible level. Um, it is hard, I think. Uh, we'll talk about this more uh, next time. It is hard, I think, for us sometimes to be direct uh, when it comes to people who are in sin that we see. Um, I don't like that. Um, and that's the elder's job. 
Oh, that's the preacher's job, so I'll go tell them. Paul is direct. Um, uh, it, now, is Paul's apostolic example here that when we see somebody in error, that we need to write a letter to, 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 other, to other churches and tell them about that error? Is that the apostolic example that we're supposed to take here? Um, maybe. Um, I think the, the, the principle that is being, that we, we, we adhere to first uh, in listening to this is if there is a sin uh, that is public in nature, we need to be direct. We need to be direct about confronting that sin. If that means making it public outside of this church, we need to be direct about how we confront sin. Okay? Sorry to leave on such like a downer uh, comment. We're going to, uh, we'll come back and try to lift up uh, in, in a couple of weeks. All right? Thanks.